You know, some people enjoy composing their own music, chord by chord, and others are happiest when they come across that one perfect song. Work is not a lot different than that. Whether you prefer building your own workflow or using a pre-made template, with Monday.com, you and the team can work in a way that's comfortable for everyone. Tap the banner to go to Monday.com and build your own amazing workflow or find an awesome template. No judgment. This show is supported by State Farm. You have insurance for your home, your health, and your car. Why don't you have insurance for your small business? So many small business owners think they don't need or don't even know about small business insurance. Protecting a source of revenue is one thing, but so is protecting all of your hard work and your team members. State Farm agents are all small business owners too, so they know how to help small business owners choose personalized policies that fit their budgets. Like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. Talk to your local agent today. If your roof starts to leak or your floor's really squeak, you live in a money pit. Money pit. If your basement needs a pump or your place looks like a dump, you live in a money pit. Money pit. Pick up the telephone, fix up your home sweet home. I call an eight 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 money pit. The money pit is presented by QuickCrete, Wagner Sprayers, RoofMax, and the Angie app. Now, here are Tom and Leslie. Coast to coast and floorboards to shingles, this is the Money Pit Home Improvement Show. I'm Tom Kreitler. And I'm Leslie Segretti. And we're here to help you take on your home improvement projects. you got a do-it-yourself project. Uh, you want to get uh, something done here for the warm weather ahead. You want to build the deck. You want to build a patio. I did that this weekend. Not exactly a patio, but I built uh, some bases for our hoses we come they come off two sides of the house and we had a paver set there before leslie but you know over the years even though we did a good job and we put them in it was probably 20 years they settled i just noticed they were getting overgrown it's that we tear it all out and i put in a concrete base a little bit of a slab and then rebuilt it on top of that came out good because i guess i needed a weekend project so i found one you're always able to find a project don't even try it no doubt if you guys are looking for a weekend project or maybe you got one you need some help with that's what we do we're here to help you get it done get it done right so you can enjoy the warm weather ahead you can help yourself by reaching out to us you can go to the Money Pit website at moneypit.com slash ask, moneypit.com slash ask, or you can call us 24-7 at 1-888-MONEYPIT. Coming up on today's show, if you are enjoying a relaxing afternoon in your own backyard, it's definitely one of the true joys of home ownership, but if you prefer to keep out of the public eye, privacy screening can help. We're going to give you some tips on landscaped privacy screens that provide a natural option over fencing and the best ways to get it done. And also ahead, warmer weather months mean that it's a great time to start really enjoying all of those outdoor spaces, and a wood deck is a great way to do just that. But if you're planning a new deck, what exactly is the right type of lumber you should be using? We're going to walk you through the four most common options just ahead. And by the time most of us spot a roof leak, the water is usually dripping through a ceiling somewhere. But, you know, roof leaks actually start forming a lot earlier than that. So we're going to share how you can catch leaks in the making just ahead. But first, we want to help you create your best home ever. From bathrooms to basements and demolition to decor, we're your coach, your counselor, your cheerleader for all of your projects, big or small. And sometimes your therapist as well. (laughs) 
<laughs> Usually that comes first. <laughs> Plus, we've got a great giveaway. We've got the Wagner Control Pro Earless Paint Sprayer to give out to one lucky listener drawn at random. This is an awesome tool. It makes painting projects inside and out really fast. If you'd like to qualify, all you need to do is reach out to us with your home improvement question at one eight 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 Money Pit or post your question to moneypit.com slash ask. So let's get to it. Leslie, who's first? Justina, you've got the money pit. How can we help you today? Basically, we just bought a house, like a 1920s home, and in the um, front of the house, there are several pillars, and um, it appears like there might be carpenter ants or termites that have, like, there's basically big holes in the base of the, the columns. So okay. um, the porch columns are one piece, and then below there is just a separate piece of wood. They're like these decayed right. blocks in the front mm-hmm. of these porch columns. So it's really just the bottom segment, and the actual pillar itself seems to be, you know, intact and in good in good shape. It's just the bottom of it. So I was really just, like, wondering if that's something we should just try to take the pillars out and put something solid at the bottom that isn't wood. Because we're going to treat we're going to treat the pests, um, okay. If it's carpenter ants or what have you, but I just wanted to know what your thoughts were in terms of like filling the hole in the wood that's there or just sure. swapping it yeah. completely. So the hole that you described is it like um like a quarter inch to three eighths of an inch diameter hole, like as if it was done by a drill bit? Um, no, 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 no. It's like two inch, like. It looks like if you scooped two chunks out of uh, ice cream or something. Does the wood look mushy? I wouldn't say mushy, but it doesn't... No, no, I wouldn't say mushy. So here's here's the thing. I'm trying to determine whether this is insect damage or just straight decay, because they can they actually can overlap each other sometimes. Yeah, it's definitely partially insect, because I could see what looks like the head of an ant, but I couldn't see if there were wings there. Yeah, well, I mean, ants love to crawl the damp spaces, so they may not even have damaged it. You don't, you don't really know, but I'm going to give you some indications of, of maybe this will help you at least determine what it is. Um, if, it's a carpen- if it's a carpenter ant, um, you're going to see that, think of, uh, think of the wood as having like rings, like the rings of a tree. So insects, in particular ants, will eat the soft wood, the summer growth, but leave the hard wood, which is the thin ring. So they'll eat they'll eat it out in a pattern, and that'll be clearly discernible. The difference in damage between a carpenter ant and a termite is a termite will eat the same thing, but the termite will usually pack that um, space with uh, sand that they'll pull up or dirt, and because they create what's called a mud tunnel so that they're not exposed to, to daylight. They like to do their work in the dark. And if it's just straight decay... It's going to be just sort of brown and, and mushy uh, and, like, very organic. And sometimes, you know, you'll have a little bit of carpenter ant damage, and then the carpenter ants leave, and then it starts to rot, and all kind of works together. But, look, no matter what it is, if you're going to do a preventative insect treatment, that will take care of that. Now, in terms of decay, there is a product called Wood Epox. It's made by a company called Abitron, A-B-A-T-R-O-N. You can find this stuff online. You can find it at abitron.com. You can find it on Amazon. I've used this many times. Uh, it's Wood E, the letter E, P-O-X. Now, it's a two-part product. So you buy, when you buy it, you get equal parts of A and B. And it's kind of like a putty. And you mix them together in your hand like you're playing with dough. And once they're all mixed up, you press it into place into these holes. Try to get it, um, try to get it so it doesn't protrude so much because after it dries, and I usually give it a day, you're going to find that it is rock solid and you can also sand it, scrape it, you can file it. 
You can chisel it. You can cut it just like wood. And so it's going to fill up all that decayed area, and then you can sand it flat. And then once you're done, you can repaint. And in terms of that, I would prime the surface as well, and then I would repaint them. So if the damage is such that it's repairable, uh, that's what I would do. I would use wood epochs on that. And if it's just so much damage that the whole thing is just a mushy mess, well, in that case, you're going to have to rebuild them. And to do that, if these are load-bearing columns, you have to take the weight off of it. And this is this now gets a little bit more complicated. Um, I did this project not because of rot, but because a friend of mine had uh, done some work on his home, and he had a deck that was supported by, by pilings or, or um, like this. And these columns, or the deck was supported by columns. I shouldn't say pilings because that's going to confuse you. That's also part of a foundation. But but it had columns, and they're structural columns. And because of all the supply issues, he was short one column. So the column finally came in. The contractor's long gone. Can't get it back. I said, oh, let me come over, and we'll do it together. But what I what we had to do was I took a car jack, like a hydraulic car jack, and I cut two-by-fours to fit from the top of the car jack to the underside of the porch beam. And I very slowly jacked it up just a little bit to take the pressure off because that was necessary to remove the temporary column, which was which was done out of a couple of two-by-fours, and then slip in the brand-new column, which was going to be have its permanent home. And then once we got it in place, I released the jack. The, the deck came back down, compressed everything in place, and we were good to go. But you have to know to sort of take that weight off and support it a little bit while you remove a load-bearing column. And that's why I said that's a little complicated, for a basic DIYer, but that's what's involved. <laughs> yeah, no, that's really helpful. I kind of wanted to explore options, and, you know, we've got lots of projects going on, so <laughs> want to see what's within reach. So, All right. Well, I hope that gives you some good direction on this. It really does. And so far, your uh, podcast has been amazing. I've learned so much, always oh, well, taking thank notes you. and writing down new materials. So thanks so much for calling me back. Do us a big favor and leave us a nice five-star review, will you? That means a lot to us. Definitely will. Really appreciate it. Okay. Thanks very much. Thanks. Bye. Did you know that Americans take 20,000 breaths a day and spend an average of 90% of their time indoors? That's right. And according to the EPA, the level of indoor air pollutants can be two to five times higher than outdoor air and occasionally more than 100 times higher. Plus, every spring we get sucked with allergens, too. Well, Air Doctor is an air purifier that filters out dangerous contaminants like pollen, pet dander, dust mites, and mold. Their Ultra HEPA filter has been independently tested to remove 99.99% of tested allergens, including bacteria and viruses. That's impressive. Now, Air Doctor also comes with a 30-day money-back guarantee. So if you don't love it, just send it back for a refund minus the shipping. And they're offering a special discount to Money Pit listeners. Just head to airdoctorpro.com and use promo code MONEYPIT, and you'll receive up to $300 off air purifiers. Exclusive to podcast customers, you'll also receive a free three-year warranty on any unit, which is an additional $84 value. Lock this special offer in right now by going to airdoctorpro.com and use promo code MONEYPIT. That's airdoctorpro.com, promo code MONEYPIT. This show is supported by State Farm. Insurance is a part of any solid financial plan. Making sure you have the important things in life covered is one of the best ways to give yourself a little breathing room when things go awry. It's important to protect not only your business 
but yourself as a business owner and all current and future team members. State Farm agents know what it takes to run and protect a small business because State Farm agents are all small business owners and they live and work in your community. So they're deeply attuned to what's happening with other small businesses in your market. If you have a small business and are interested in making sure you're protected, reach out to your local State Farm agent to learn more about what you need. They'll help you find the right policy at the right price for your business. Like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. Talk to your local agent today. All right, guys, let us know what you are working on. There are a ton of projects that you can be tackling this time of year, outside, inside, whatever it is. And you know what? Now is a great time to tackle some painting projects. We've got a great prize to help you do those. We've got the Wagner Control Pro 170 High Efficiency Airless Paint Sprayer. Now, the Wagner Control Pro is going to allow you to take on really big projects on your own instead of hiring that pro, and that's going to save you money. And there's also 55% less overspray than those traditional airless sprayers. And get this, you can paint three times faster than if you were using a roller. It is a great prize for this time of year. It's available both in-store and online at Lowe's Home Improvement. And that Wagner Control Pro 170 paint sprayer is going out to one listener drawn at random. Make that you. Reach out to us at moneypit.com slash ask with your question. Paul in Hawaii has got a leaky bathroom. Tell us what's going on. Yes, in my master bathroom, there's a granite countertop sink with uh, countertop with two sinks. Uh, the left sink underneath the cabinet constantly has like a strong mildew smell. Now, I've cut the back of the cabinet out to check the drywall, no leaks. I've cut a, a hole in the floor of the cabinet to look at the concrete, no leaks. I don't know where it's coming from. I've got a, a bucket right now of those crystals that absorb moisture. The, the thing is full of water. I, I mean, I've had a friend of mine, he's another contractor. I'm also a contractor, and we can't figure out what's going on. So you have high humidity in this cabinet, is that what you're saying? Yes, high humidity in the cabinet. I live in a very dry area, so it's not like there's moisture in the air from the outside doing it. I, I, I don't know. I don't know what's causing it. I, and you're on a slab? On a slab floor, correct. Slab floors are very hydroscopic. They pull moisture up from the dirt up through the slab and into the cabinetry itself. You might just want to think about venting this cabinet. Have you ever left the doors open for a week to see if it made a difference? Because I bet it would. It does. It actually does. Now, here's one thing I must tell you. There's an outdoor shower on the opposite side of that wall, but it's, it's all granite sealed to the tiles, so I can't imagine how it would be coming in from that side, but, you know, anything's possible. Yeah, but could it just be a condensation issue, like when you're running cold water and the warmth and humidity of just being in Hawaii, moisture forms on the cold water pipes, drip, drip, drip? I don't think that's it. It just uh, doesn't seem to, that doesn't seem to be the problem. The only thing I can think of is somehow moisture is like you said before is coming underneath the ground and up into the cabinet somehow i i guess that's probably what's happening and how to solve that like your your idea of venting that cabinet is probably a really great idea and there's a way i could do that i could put a small round vent and the outside to the outside from that cabinet wall there i think it's moisture that's coming up through the cement slab and it's congregating in this unconditioned space of the cabinet and it's building up to the point where you're noticing it vis-a-vis a moisture smell which you're calling mildew, and I think if you vent the cabinet, that that's going to go away. All right. Well, listen, I'll, I'll definitely consider that venting. That was a very good idea. Thank you for taking my call. Well, enjoying a relaxing afternoon in your own backyard is one of the true joys of homeownership. But what if you've ever felt that your neighbors are just getting an eyeful every time you're out there? It might be a good idea to create a more private area for yourselves. <laughs> 
Yeah, it's advised. And you know what? There are lots of really natural ways to do just that. Now, typically, when you think about privacy screening, you assume it takes offense to do that. But there are some natural ways that you can do the same thing, and they do a really good job. So here are a couple of good options. First up, a line of evergreen trees or arborvitae can definitely give you some year-round seclusion, even better than the fence, because there are no municipal restrictions on how high they can grow. And arborvitae is a good choice because it doesn't need pruning to keep its full shape from top to bottom. It also is very adaptable. It works on a wide range of growing conditions. And if there are deer in your area, like mine, go with green giant arborvitae. I've said this before, but we put our green giant line of arborvitaes in two years ago. And so far, so good. We have not noticed any nibbling. Of course, they're nibbling the other plants that are around the property, but not those. So I'm pretty impressed that the green giants definitely keep the deer away. Now, trees that are evergreens, they're also a great option. But if there are power lines above this privacy screen you're creating, you're not going to want trees that are so big that they're going to grow into those wires. I mean, we did Leland Cypress, which is sort of like in the arborvitae, like variety over there. And they have grown so fast that I find like every so often I've got to come in and cut them down because they just want to wrap around the wires because I've had them what now probably 18 years and they've easily been 30 feet tall in no time. So those guys grow. So you have to pay attention to the evergreen or the tree or whatever you're picking. You need to pay attention to their width when that item is mature. Now, the rule is that spacing between the trunks when you plant should equal that mature width. While your ideal growing conditions will vary for sure by species, one thing all of these evergreens have in common is that they love being in the sunshine. So you want to give them at least six hours of direct sunlight a day, and their foliage is going to remain full, and that will help keep your privacy intact. Now, if you need to get a sense of privacy right away, you want to select specimens that are at least six feet tall already with green foliage and very moist root balls. Now, they're going to reach 15 feet or more when they mature, and these trees need to be planted far enough apart so that they'll be touching when they're fully grown. But if you put them too close together in the beginning, they're going to kind of stunt each other's growth. So you have to make sure that you're really paying attention to how big these guys are going to get. And again, that spacing will depend on the variety you choose. So if you're unsure, when you go to the garden center, ask these questions. How big? How wide? What kind of spacing? You want to do it right the first time. Yeah, you know, look, when the hedge fills in, it's amazing, but you got to be patient. You're not going to get instant satisfaction here like you would if you used a fence, but they are absolutely beautiful, and if you do it right, it's going to last forever. Hey, if you got a question about your home improvement project inside or out, reach out to us right now. Just click on the Leave a Message button, and we will get back to you as soon as possible. Eloise in North Carolina is dealing with some unwanted visitors. Squirrels! Eloise, one tried to get into my screened-in porch last week because of a pizza box. I can only... And it scared the bejesus out of me. Must have been an Italian squirrel. (laughs) Tell us what's going on. The squirrels have decided that they like the coziness of getting inside and down into the eaves of the porch rather than to nest in a tree. And they have started eating away... At my house, I've noticed places where they've been gnawing, as well as the nests that are down in the eaves. How can I get rid of them? Well, there's a couple of ways that you can deal with squirrels in the attic. It's kind of like bats in your belfry. They drive you crazy. <laughs> but there are some ways to to try to manage these populations. First of all, you can trap and release. If you invested in a couple or even one have-a-heart traps, uh, have-a-heart 
is uh, a trap that has a door on it that lets the squirrel in, doesn't harm them. Usually you'll use an apple or something like that as bait. We usually recommend you wire it to the frame of the trap because they'll figure it out and they'll steal it and not get stuck in the trap. And then once they get stuck in the trap, you take the whole trap, stick it in the trunk of your car, drive out to a woodsy area, lift the door, and off they will run happily uh, to once again rejoin Mother Nature. Another thing that you can do is you could consider using a squirrel repellent. There are different types of repellents that are available. They usually uh, are repellents that are designed to emulate a natural predator of squirrels, like fox or something of that nature. And you either spray them or you sometimes they're in like a bag and you hang them in the area and that can deter them. But really the, the first thing I would do is try to seal up any gaps that are allowing them to get into this attic space to begin with. Yeah, I have some homework to do. Thank you so much. Uh, you sure do. Good luck with that project. Thanks so much for calling us at 888-MONEY-PIT. Everyone should know that drinking water is important to staying hydrated and healthy. Having safe, clean water is the last thing you want to worry about. But unfortunately, according to extensive research by the Environmental Working Group, three out of four homes in America have harmful contaminants right in its tap water. That's why we are thrilled to be working with AquaTrue. AquaTrue purifiers use a four-stage reverse osmosis purification process, and their countertop purifiers work with no installation or plumbing. It removes 15 times more contaminants than ordinary pitcher filters and is specifically designed to combat chemicals like PFAs in your water supply. And they have water purifiers to fit every type of home, from installation-free countertop purifiers to higher-capacity under-sink options. They even have a Wi-Fi-connected purifier and mineral boost options. And its proprietary purification technology is independently tested by IATMO to NSF and ANSI standards to remove over 80 of the most harmful contaminants, including chlorine, fluoride, arsenic, PFAs known as forever chemicals, nitrate, and many more. I can truly taste the difference when I compare it with my old water filter. AquaTrue saves you money also. Just one set of filters from their classic purifier makes the equivalent of 4,500 bottles of water. That's less than three cents a bottle. Plus, you'll save the environment from tons of plastic waste. AquaTrue comes with a 30-day money-back guarantee and even makes a great gift. And today, Money Pit listeners can receive 20% off any AquaTrue purifier. Just go to aquatrue.com. That's A-Q-U-A-T-R-U.com and enter code MONEYPIT at checkout. That's 20% off any AquaTrue water purifier when you go to aquatrue.com and use promo code M-O-N-E-Y-P-I-T. MONEYPIT. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Now we've got Ken from North Dakota on the line with a question about roofing. What can we do for you today? So I have a 20-year-old house that I re-shingled recently mm-hmm. and took out the power vent um, and put in, uh, well, when, when we finished the roof, of course, then I put in the continuous ridge vent. Yep. And uh, when the power vent was in there, the soffits were all full up with uh, insulation, and then there was just every fifth rafter they had the, the four-foot baffle to allow air in. Yes. So now my question is, is with the continuous ridge vent, 
do I need to open up the soffits uh, so that there's more ventilation in there? Yeah, well, first of all, replacing, removing that power vent was a really smart thing. I'm not sure if you realize this, but removing it basically is going to make your whole home more efficient because those power attic ventilators, what happens is in the summertime when they kick on, they're so powerful that they take air not only out of the attic, but they'll reach down into the house through all the nooks and crannies and spaces around wiring and plumbing and such, and it will pull out all the air-conditioned air or some portion of it, which means you have to replace it and it costs you more to cool. So that part was good. Ridge vent was good. Uh, to your question about the soffits, yes, you would be better off having those soffits be completely open as opposed to every few feet. You know, when you had the power ventilator, you were able to get away with it, but a continuous ridge and soffit vents uh, is the best way to go. They work together to flush out warm air in the summer and cool moist air in the winter, which can make your insulation inefficient. Correct. All right. Well, thank you so much. I appreciate the help. Well, if you're planning to build a deck project to expand your outside living space, you might be wondering what kind of material to use. Well, according to Consumer Reports, wood remains the most popular choice for decking, even with all of the composite decking products available. But we all know that wood does need a fair amount of regular maintenance to stay in good shape, and some types of wood need more than others. Now, the four most common choices for wood decking are cedar, ipe, pine, and redwood, and they all vary when it comes to their ratings for performance and value, so here's what you need to consider. Now, first up, let's talk about climate and weathering. Whether you live in the strong sunshine or have really arid heat of the west or the warm humidity of the south, weather has a big impact on the durability of your deck. Slip resistance is also important, particularly if your deck's going to be near a pool. Now, strength is, of course, a key. Do you like to entertain a crowd? Wood decking stands up really well for bending and bowing. And also, some wood materials are better at resisting accidental stains and dents, like, you know, hamburger grease and stuff like that that flies off the grill, which often come with active families using those grills all the time, like we do. I mean, it's pretty much a, a nightly thing at our house. And, of course, there's also the cost factor, which can vary a lot. Now, when it comes to rankings among cedar, ipe, pine, and redwood, the natural western red cedar was named the top choice for its overall performance and value. Now, it scored highly for its resistance to flexing and weathering, and surprisingly, it's about half the price of natural ipe, which is a popular and strong South American hardwood that was ranked a close second. Now, cedar is a softwood, though, so it is susceptible to surface damage. It's also about 30% more expensive than pine, which is the cheapest wood option, but that's got to be pressure-treated to resist rot, and that's ranked third for its performance. Now, between the cost and its fair performance ratings, natural redwood placed fourth in the rankings, and some homeowners still do love the look, although, like cedar and ipe, redwood is naturally resistant to rot and decay. Now, that said... You should know that that beautiful redwood color, it doesn't last for long. You give it a year or two, and you'll be looking at a much darkened surface. Pretty much the same for cedar. You know, people think these surface colors don't change, but they do. The sun does a number on them, so you're going to have to eventually stain it anyway. I would make the decision based on the wood's durability as much as its look, because it's going to change over time. Well, no matter which wood product you do choose, remember you've got to protect your investment by staining and sealing it regularly because that's going to keep your outdoor living space looking totally decked out. Pick up the phone, shoot us an email, post your question, whatever it is, we are ready to help you with whatever it is you are working on this spring. 
Maybe you've got a painting project on your to-do list. Well, if so, we have got a great product to give away this hour. It's the Wagner Control Pro 170 High Efficiency Airless Paint Sprayer. This paint sprayer will make it so that you as the homeowner can take on some big painting projects all on your own. It's easy to use. It applies a high-quality finish that you definitely can be proud of. It's never been easier to paint like a pro. Check it out both online and in-store at Lowe's Home Improvement. That Wagner Control Pro 170 paint sprayer is going out to one listener drawn at random. If you'd like to win it, you got to be in it. And that means you need to reach out to us right now with your home improvement question. You can go to moneypit.com, click on leave us a message. Then you get to record your question and we will put you at the top of the list for getting an answer on the show. Debbie in Arkansas is on the line and has a question to help her daughter's house. What can we do for you guys? Hi, uh, my daughter recently bought a house. It's an older house that's been remodeled, and she was going to renovate around her fireplace, and she discovered that the large wall behind the fireplace, which is about a 20-foot wide wall, has got, uh, it had brick behind the plaster, and mm-hmm. so she uh, took all the plaster down, but it had been put up with liquid nails. So there's liquid nails all over this brick, all over oh, it, and boy. it's made a terrible mess, and she's called in a couple of people to give bids, and it was thousands of dollars to either rebrick over it or chisel it down, and they said it would probably ruin the brick if they did. And so I was just curious if you had any ideas at all. We looked up on the Internet, and there was one about a heat gun possibly, but I thought maybe you might have a, a cheaper or easier way of doing it. Well, it's quite a mess. Yeah, I mean, certainly you can use a heat gun, but a heat gun is very hot, and it's going to cause all kinds of fumes. And 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 the problem with the the fact that you had this type of adhesive, it's going to soak into the pores of the brick. So, at best, even after doing all that, you're going to end up painting the brick, which we hate to tell anybody to do because it's going to otherwise it's just going to look terrible. You're never going to have that natural brick. That decision was made for you by whoever decided it was going to need to glue the plaster right to the brick without putting up any kind of a furrow strip or, or something of that nature. There are, you know, various types of adhesive softeners out there, but I fear that even if you went through all that trouble, you're still going to have a very undesirable looking surface. So I think if I'm sorry that's all torn up now, but I think if it was me, I would probably fur over that, attach wood strips to that uh, brick surface, and I would probably put new drywall or some other surface over it at this point and give up on the idea of having an exposed brick wall, unless, of course, you want to rebrick the whole thing, which is, you know, a big mess and a big job. And a big expense, too. And a big expense, <laughs> yeah, of course, yeah, absolutely. Okay, all right, well, thank you very much. I appreciate it. Well, by the time most of us spot a roof leak, the water is usually dripping through a ceiling somewhere, but roof leaks actually start forming a lot earlier than that. We're going to share how to catch leaks in the making in today's roof review tip presented by RoofMax. Now, there are a lot of ways that roof leaks can form, but the vast majority of leaks happen at the points where the roof sections intersect. Now, this is where the roof gets the most movement in terms of expansion and contraction, and all of that movement can definitely lead to a leak. Yeah. Now, here are some great examples of how this happens. First up, let's talk about roof valleys. Now, you've seen these. This is where different sections of the roof sort of come together. Typically, they form sort of a V where you have sort of two surfaces, two planes that are running water towards this seam in the middle that's in this V shape. Sometimes it's like at a 45 degree angle, depending on the pitch. But where those shingles come together, you're either going to have metal flashing that lays at the bottom of that channel 
or you're going to have the shingles that overlap and sort of lock together. But because this is an area where water collects on its way to your gutters and it's an intersection of two big sections, we will frequently find that leaks form here when the flashing of the shingles wears out from all of that movement. Yeah. Now, another spot are your plumbing vents. So when you look at your roof, have you ever noticed all of those pipes that are sticking out? Well, those are the plumbing vents, and they share a very common form of rubber-sealed flashing. It's like a boot that goes over the vent and then under the shingles. Now, the problem is that that rubber seal is going to wear out from exposure to sunlight, then it's going to leak, and that usually shows up in your bathroom or your kitchen ceilings that are just below where that vent pipe is located. Now, finally, let's talk about chimneys. Now, if you have a brick chimney that goes up through the roof, the flashing system that basically creates the seal between it and the roof is made up of two parts, which we call flashing and counter-flashing. Now, the flashing goes under the shingles and up against the side of the chimney, and the counter-flashing actually gets cut into one of the mortar joints and then folds over that flashing piece. They sort of form a sliding joint that allows for normal movement of the chimney due to wind. Now, while you like to think that your chimneys don't move, they actually move quite a bit. <laughs> I've seen it. You know, when the wind hits it, they're going to move a little bit. They can move a couple of inches at a time, but they get sort of held in place by the uh, sections of the roof around it. That flashing system, though, when it leaks, repairs need to be done. Now, most commonly, you'll find a roofer, especially the lazy kind, will trowel some roof cement around it. We don't like that. What we want our roofer to do is to replace the flashing completely with new flashing, new counter, new base flashing, new counter flashing, because that is going to stand up for the long run. Yeah. And you know what? While all these situations can cause big leaks, they're pretty easy for a pro to spot early on. Companies like RoofMax offer a maintenance package that focuses on the most leak prone areas of the roof. And RoofMax's experts will inspect your roof and make minor repairs to the most common issues that are going to help protect your home. And that's today's roof review tip presented by RoofMax. A RoofMax treatment restores flexibility and waterproofing protection of aging asphalt shingle roofs, extending life by as much as 15 years. RoofMax treatments come with a five-year flexibility guarantee and are purchased through a nationwide network of factory-trained and certified dealers who also apply the treatment. Learn more at RoofMax.com. That's Roof, M-A-X-X.com. Dylan is looking for some help with the project and writes in to say, I live in southern Kentucky, and during the summer months, we get condensation dripping off the AC ducts in the crawl space. I don't want this to keep happening again, but I wonder, what can I do to really stop it? So condensation happens when you have warm, moist air strike a cold surface. And the most common example of that is the glass of iced tea that you took out on the warm summer day. And you notice when you first took it out, there's no water on the outside of that glass, but leave it out on the picnic table for a minute or two, and it will be all drippy. You'll start to see a little puddle form underneath it. And that's because that warm, moist air, as the air chills, it can't hold as much moisture. Hence, it releases that moisture, and that's how you see the water droplets. So a crawl space, often a damp area, that's what's happening here for Dylan. So, Dylan, what you need to do is simply insulate those ducts. There is a type of insulation that is usually foil-faced on both sides that can be wrapped around those existing air conditioning ducts. And this way, there won't be a cold surface for that moisture to rest on, and it won't uh, condense and drip any further. And by the way, while you're at it, you should take steps that you can to try to reduce crawl space moisture, and those steps would include, number one, cleaning your gutters, Number two, extending your downspouts away from the foundation perimeter. 
Number three, making sure you have a vapor barrier, which is nothing more than a sheet of plastic laid across that entire crawl space dirt floor. And fourth, put some vents in that crawl space if you don't have them already, because this will reduce the amount of moisture that's there in the first place and further help you reduce that condensation issue. All right, next up we've got Anita in Illinois. Now, Anita says, I'm going to have to install a new central air conditioning system this year. How do I know what size to get for my 1,800-square-foot single-story home? Now, that's super important because if you size it too big, while well, you might think, like, woohoo, more air conditioning, like, that's got a whole bunch of other problems. Yeah, you're right, Leslie, because it, most people will try to go think bigger is better, you know, and they'll always go with the bigger unit. But a lot of things happen when you use one that's too big. So, First of all, it's going to cycle, which means it's going to go on and off and on and off and on and off a lot more than it should. That's going to definitely shorten the life. But because it doesn't run long enough in doing that, it also doesn't dehumidify the house as much as air conditioning typically does. That's going to leave you feeling sort of cold and clammy. So that's really not a good idea either. And, of course, it wastes a ton of energy. Now, figuring out the exact size of an air conditioner is going to be dependent on a lot of factors, and that's why there's a calculation called a heat loss calculation that a professional HVAC contractor would and should do on your house. They shouldn't be guessing at this. The heat loss calculation takes into consideration how much insulation you have, how many windows you have, how many windows you have on the south side, whether the glass is insulated or not, do we have to compensate for heat gain through those windows, and a lot of other factors. The rule of thumb is that you will need one ton of air conditioning for six to 800 square feet of house space, of house floor plan, but again, you've got to do the heat loss calculation to kind of dial it in beyond that. You know what, Anita, it is a big investment. I mean, air conditioning systems are not going to be inexpensive, so you want to make sure it's sized properly. This way you can have it for the long run and get with an efficient model so you'll be super happy. This is the Money Pit Home Improvement Show. Hey, thank you so much for spending this part of your weekend with us. We hope you gave you a few tips and ideas that you find useful as you get projects done around your house. Remember, you can reach out to us. So as you're stretched out in that lounge chair thinking about something you want to get done and you don't know how to tackle it, you can always go to moneypit.com, click on leave us a message, record your question. We will get back to you on the very next edition of The Money Pit. I'm Tom Kreitler. And I'm Leslie Segretti. Remember, you can do it yourself. But you don't have to do it alone. Thanks to State Farm for supporting this show and helping our listeners protect their businesses and lives. Like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. Talk to your local agent today.